Hello and welcome to the fifth season of Tales from the CSAP Floor. My name is Laura and I'll be one of your hosts for this season's podcast. I'm originally from Barcelona, Spain, and I'm currently living in Amsterdam as an associate sales representative in the CSAP program. It is an honor to be your host for this season. We will have several conversations about epic wins and failures with very interesting guests. So make sure you tune in to listen to this season's Tales from the CSAP Floor. In our first episode of this fifth season, we have the pleasure of having Steen van der Hallen with us here in the Amsterdam office. She's an ex-CSUPper who graduated in FY21. With Steen, we will explore her epic wins and failures, mentorship, how she experiences imposter syndrome, and being a woman in a male-dominated environment. You will also get to know Steen's metaphor for lasagna. Hi Steen, thank you so much for coming. How are you today? Thank you for having me, Laura. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm also good. Thank you so much. Before we get started, could you give us quickly an introduction on who you are? Perhaps a bit about your background and journey at Cisco? Yes, I would love to. So my name is Steen and I've been born and raised in Belgium. I studied to be a computer science engineer in Leuven, close to Brussels. And actually, straight after university, I went into the CSAP program. Did that for one year. But once I was done, I was lucky enough to join the GVE DevNet team, where I kind of spent my days programming and building prototypes for our customers, our partners, and our account teams. And then from there, I got a new opportunity to join the IoT sales team as a technical solutions specialist. And this role actually gave me the chance to move to Madrid, Spain, where I've been living now for about two or three months. And yeah, at least now I get to sit in the sun while I'm in my WebEx Yes, <laughs> that sounds good. And I mean, next year I'm moving to Madrid myself, so it will be nice to, <laughs> to be in the same city, that's for sure. And from what I hear, you've been in Cisco for a few years. But you've already, I can already see that you've been having many successes. And since, since this is our main topic for this podcast, I will jump straight into it, straight into the deep end, if you want. What does success mean to you? How would you define success? Well, that's a big question to start, <laughs> I have to say. I mean, success to me is a very large and wide concept, and it has many different sides to it. For example, you can be financially successful, mentally, physically, professionally, whatever. I think you can look at it many different ways. But for me, if I were to call myself successful, I think I would have to be at least satisfied with every single part of those domains, of these definitions of success. So I think there's many sides to it. And to me, being okay with how everything is going, maybe not extravagantly okay, or proud of everything, but at least wake up in the morning without too many worries on my mind, that would be success for me. I completely agree. And I like the way you've put it, that there's not one kind of definition of success or one way to success, but it's kind of many different types of success put together. And I kind of like that way that you've phrased it. And perhaps jumping on the other side of the equation, the failures part, I mean, have you, first of all, have you had any failures yourself? Of course I have. <laughs> so could you maybe share with us your experience with failure and how you've approached it in your career? Yeah, for sure. And in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have a week for me to name them? I think one example that immediately pops into my mind is actually from back when I was in university. 
So what I tried to do in my final year of university was do as many internships as possible in as many different industries or settings as possible. And one of those was actually with a very large consulting firm. And I signed a contract for six weeks in summer, very excited. And I show up the first day. And after a few days of working there, getting introduced to kind of the vibes in the office and the kind of people that work there, the kind of work that they do, I could see that it was simply not for me. And to me, at that point, it seems like I was about to waste six weeks of my life while the sun was out and my friends <laughs> were having, were having fun, fun, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I really had to kind of sit down and think like, okay, how do I not waste my time and try to turn this around and do something that is useful for me? And even if I can't do that, how can I at least have a good time in the next six weeks? And I really tried to just put as much as possible my, my projects, make it fit to me, so to say, make them more challenging, make them go beyond like what we just showed to our customers or what the assignment. And in that way, I kind of was able to turn the work itself around into something more challenging and the, that I found interesting. I still knew that I didn't want to end up working forever at this company. But at least the six, week I, six weeks I was there, I did enjoy myself. I did feel mentally challenged and I could produce some like interesting results. And I mean, the, the people that I met there, I'm still in touch with them. We're still good friends. That's We're never going to be colleagues. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I really like that story because it's when you were explaining it, to me, it sounds like you went from a journey of kind of perceiving failure to end up somewhere where you were getting something out of the experience, even though you knew that this was not for you. And I like that journey because we go through that a lot. And I've experienced it myself, and I'm sure many others have as well, that you enter a situation and you're like, okay, I'm not quite happy here. But you're like, you know what, let me find the positive, let me see what I can get out of it. You adapted a few projects to what you liked and you ended up getting some friends out of it. So I really like that. And I was, I'm curious to know more about what strategies you used within yourself to kind of bounce back from the initial failure. I have failed on developing that strategy as well. And I definitely am not like the big guru now on how to navigate failure. But what I really like to do is kind of just take a step back from the situation and kind of try to see like okay what exactly made me fail here what's the part that I can change about it and what's the part that I can't change about it and that I just have to accept for me while while working at this consultancy firm it was the fact that okay I can't change the fact that I don't identify with the the kind of work atmosphere that is here I can't adjust that but what I can do is try to make a connection with the people that work here apart from the job and try to put as much of the things I do like into the projects that I'm doing. So really bringing things into perspective and being realistic about, okay, what can I change? What can't I change? And then I try to motivate myself to change these things. And I think feeling bad about your situation is one of the best motivations to kind of get out the situation and try to turn it around as much as possible. But I think it's a, it's a great learning experience as well to navigate yourself around these situations you don't want to be in or situations where you feel like you failed. For sure. So to say. I agree. And there's an element of having this 
kind of positive attitude and finding finding what you can get out of a situation because i find with failure and epic fails as as we call this <laughs> season you want to say compilation <laughs> exactly no but i find that really with failure it's really about perception and you mentioned perception earlier it's like sometimes what you perceive as failure at one point in your life you later realize that it wasn't that it was there for a reason to either teach you something or to give you a different outlook on life sometimes or to get you to a different side of your journey and even myself actually before i applied to csap i had a job that i was fixated on and they ended up rejecting me and back then i thought it was the biggest failure even though we've all been rejected in our lives haven't we but i have never <laughs> okay tell me more about <laughs> go you then <laughs> no i'm kidding but exactly like and now from that rejection i found the csap program i applied i'm here and i couldn't be happier so i don't know if it was a failure if not if it was then i'm happy that it happened i'm happy that i failed and if it's not a failure for sure it was definitely a learning that i got out of it so yes and any learning is a success exactly right? whether it comes from failure or a success yes i'm very happy you're here <laughs> <laughs> exactly navigating through failure is a success in itself exactly it? <laughs> let's put that on a t-shirt but you also mentioned in one of our previous conversations that you're a big fan of mentoring both being a mentor and being a mentee so receiving mentorship so i'm very curious to know do you think mentoring has helped you navigate the epic fails and epic wins in your life my answer is 100 million percent i think a lot of the things i do i try to walk up to as many mentors as i could think of even if i don't call them like specific or formal mentors I really like getting advice from people and kind of get guided by that. But I think a lot of the people that you're going to ask are going to laugh about this statement because I tend to generally not necessarily follow the advice <laughs> that people give me. And I think a big part of mentoring in like that perspective is to really be able to find someone whose opinion you value, but you don't necessarily need to agree with it. For me, mentors are more like kind of mirrors to me they show me how i present myself in certain situations it's up to me then to take these opinions take these advices and see with what i want to align or not align so yeah i think mentors are extremely important but not in as like a godlike feature who comes down from the heavens and tells you what to do you know yeah i find it really interesting what you say it's like Uh, with mentors and in general with external opinions i also really value them and try to get as many as i can myself but i like what you say of kind of you're not blindly following someone's opinion you're kind of interiorizing it listening into to it and kind of uh finding your way through it and if you find that it fits your gut feeling or your path then you kind of go with it but if not It's still an, a valuable opinion. It's still an opinion you appreciate, and mentorship must have great benefits, as you must know. But but as you say, sometimes it's not the right fit. But then there's also instances where you cannot be prepared for a situation because realistically, we cannot be prepared for everything, even if we would like to 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 be. So how do you handle that feeling of being unprepared for a task or a project? I think that's a very interesting question because I would show up to my like assessed role plays 
with these 200 slide decks, thinking I could cover any question that my manager was about to ask me. And still they would like within five minutes. They would throw you off. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, from going through that a lot, I made the exact same mistake of trying to be over-prepared a lot, especially in CSAP. And it never worked, honestly. So yeah, again, I tried to like take a step back and see, okay, what's the the issue here? You know, and, and how can I solve this? And I realized exactly what you just said. Like, there's no such thing as not being underprepared. You're never going to be, again, this godlike figure who knows everything. That's just not going to happen. So what is going to happen is that people come to you with questions you don't know the answer for. So I think the way you handle that is listening to them and trying to find the answer, maybe. So I think what I would say is I want to embrace the fact that I am underprepared and try to handle it as good as possible. Maybe make the gap a bit smaller between what I was ready to hear and what I should what I should have said as much as possible without trying to go above and beyond. Of course. Because, I mean, we might perceive sometimes that being underprepared means you're lacking a skill set. But I also find that knowing how to handle being underprepared is a skill in itself. So maybe it's not about lacking that skill, but embracing the other type of skill of knowing how to handle situations where you're underprepared. And I mean, you entering your new position, it must have been one of those situations where you're entering new waters, like unknown territory especially since you moved to Madrid, new country as well. So I'm curious to perhaps find out a bit more what you learned from that experience and like going into this new job that you were not so familiar with. Yes. Well, indeed, there was a lot of firsts (laughs) in the past couple of months. Moving to this new country, trying to learn a new language. (laughs) And I mean, most of all, trying to navigate this this new role and I think in a lot of the occasions I I went in feeling like an imposter the imposter syndrome I think it's everywhere within CSAP and within the rest of your career you feel like an imposter a lot I would say but I think there's also something interesting about feeling this way because if you're going to feel like the dumbest person in the room anyways It also means that you have so many people around you, every single person there, in your own opinion, that you're going to be able to learn from. So I feel like it's kind of equivalent to feeling at rock bottom. The only way is up, right? So that's exactly what I try to do whenever I I feel this imposter syndrome and I feel very low. I feel like an idiot (laughs) sometimes. I'm like, okay, but I can't sink any lower, right? So I start to like, ask my dumb questions to people. And I see it as a learning opportunity. Like your your curve is never going to be steeper than when you feel like you're the dumbest person in the room. It would be even dumber to not take advantage of this situation where you feel like you're not qualifying to be somewhere, to be in a certain room. Of course. And I think we can really relate that back to what we were talking about earlier about epic fails and how you try to see that positive sides of adversity and and that learning gap and opportunity to develop here as well. So instead of feeling this imposter syndrome that you don't belong or that you're not good enough or that you're lacking skills that other people in the room have, changing that to being like, oh my God, I have so much room for growth. 
I have so much knowledge to absorb from the people around me. I think that's a really good mentality that you bring bring here. And um, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. Uh, so thanks for it. I'd have you say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. But a, a small and silly tip such as writing down your achievements uh, just in your phone, just to remind yourself of stuff you've accomplished. I started doing it since it was recommended to me from a mentoring session. And I find that it helps not to brag to people, not to like show it out there, but to remind yourself that you're here for a reason and that you made it here yourself. So I think it's a good combination between acknowledging your value, but also realizing the opportunity to grow even further from the people around you that you've mentioned. So now I'd like to turn the attention into your experience as a woman in Cisco in a male-dominated field. In the CISA program, I've experienced myself that it's very balanced. I mean, exactly in my cohort, we're even more women than men. But I'm about to step into the real world, into the field where it may not be so balanced. So I'm curious to hear from your experience. How have you lived this situation? Great question. I'm glad you, uh, you bring it up. I mean, to kind of set the, the context, I have been in this, like, male-dominated environments ever since university because I was in these computer science studies which has a majority of men there, right? And indeed, as you say, once you get to CSAP, suddenly you're in this 50-50 environment and it's amazing because you don't... While I was in CSAP, I never saw this this difference or I felt like nobody saw this difference and I didn't have to speak up more, which I sometimes did have to do in university. Now. The one thing that I did experience very vividly in this context of being a woman in Cisco was actually before CSAP, when I went into the same assessment center. And immediately walking in there, I felt like at a disadvantage. I was like, even if it's unconscious by then, they'll think I'm not really fit to be an engineer in Cisco. Because even when they look around the room, they're going to see seven engineers, so to say but only one of them is going to be a woman. So you, you stand out. And to me, that felt like, okay, I'm at a disadvantage. I'm going to have to prove myself even more because I have to get over this unconscious bias that they might have about women. So that was very hard. But then you get into the CSAP environment, you have this 50-50 division, everything is fine. But then, as you say, you get into the field. And there I could see that Again, there's mostly men around me. And in the, the team that I'm in now, I'm even the only woman in the entire team. And there's a lot of like little things that happen throughout the day. It's not every day that I feel like I'm at a disadvantage because I'm a woman. That's not true at all. Like I know how to speak up for myself and make sure that I'm being heard. And these things, I, I'm completely convinced that within, within Cisco, most of the time, this is something unconscious that your opinion might be dismissed sometimes, but it still, you know, happens, right? And as a woman, you're very attentive to these things. And at the same time, we have this like CSAP group, which is nice and diverse. At the same time, we have our executive leadership, which is also almost 50-50, or at least there's some women there. But in between, it's like the frozen lasagna. You know, <laughs> been in the oven for two minutes, the top and the bottom have defrosted, but the layers in between, no. And I think it would be very interesting to 
kind of be more open about this within Cisco and name it better. Like both men and women recognize these little situations that happen every single day. Just so it's more of like, you know, we like to install our tools and network to have visibility. <laughs> At the same time, we should use ourselves as a sensor for these unconscious biases, whether it's for or against women or against other like minorities we have within Cisco. I think it's very important. Yeah, you bring a very valid and it's really interesting to hear because, of course, for your field, it must be much more of a different gap than perhaps in mine. I've always been and I've studied business. I've been through marketing, which tends to have a more equal balance, perhaps, than, than in your situation. So it's very interesting to hear your perspective. And I mean, in Cisco, from my experience and my time here, there's great initiatives behind that. Even last week, we had a woman in Cisco event where we openly had conversations and I love and those. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great to share to share these <laughs> moments. And it's both with men and women. I mean, I don't know about you and your experience, but I find great strength and value when we openly discuss it regardless of gender. I don't know what your experience has been when sharing these moments. I mean, first of all, I, I really love the the women of Cisco events and especially the fact that both women and men show up there. And I think it's just the first step is always to just try to have conversations about this, put this into perspective and kind of structure like, okay, what is the actual like problem here? If it's not a problem, what's the, the situation? And just try to at least name the problem or like have an idea of more what it is. And I really love that these organizations do exist within Cisco. They also couldn't have been there. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I really like it. And I, I, I can only encourage men to show up there as well and try to adopt as much as possible the principles we kind of talk about in these events, because I think it's important for us to take these initiatives that we have and adopt them in the workplace that we're in. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's very important to bring visibility. And I would actually love to to hear more about like uh, everything, like the little details about your day-to-day -day and where, you where you've experienced these situations. But perhaps more is, as a broader question, what do you think we can do to get closer to a better future <laughs> in that sense? <laughs> well, do you have a week? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, to solve the problem, you know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But I mean, I think a very easy fix is for us to, in our interview panels, for whatever job it is, try to represent the diversity that we want to see in our workforce. Like, uh, it's a very good example, like me walking into my assessment center and seeing seven old men sitting there. I don't think that should be it, especially when you're looking to hire a diverse group of CSAPers. I just want to kind of be able to identify with the people that are interviewing me. So I know that should even during the interview process, any of these instances of unconscious bias happen, I do have a woman there that identifies with it and maybe recognizes it from her own life. Even better <laughs> to call this out, whether it's a woman or a man. So we're just all a little bit more aware of these things. Like these 
and the willingness to change is definitely there. Like you're asking me this question as well. How are we going to change the world? <laughs> We're not going to able, be able to do that. Baby steps. <laughs> yes, baby steps. First thing we want to do in the network as well is have visibility. <laughs> know what's there. How big is the problem? And I think it needs to come from people like you and me, right? People who just joined the organization and are still full of life and the yeah. idea that we yeah. can change the world, yeah, for sure. right? And we are the ones that are in, I don't know, two years interviewing <laughs> C-Suppers. <laughs> yeah, you know. never know. I mean, <laughs> you know, ambitious. at some point we get to the frozen part of the, mm. of the lasagna, yeah. right? And it's up to us to then take other women with us and make sure that the lasagna gets fully cooked. <laughs> I like your, your saying of the frozen lasagna. <laughs> I'll I'm use happy it in you the do. Future. <laughs> so I think we've had a great conversation and we've covered very interesting topics that I would like to summarize. We've started off by talking about your experience and lessons with your epic successes and fails, how you're an advocate of mentoring and how saying yes to opportunities is a big thing for you. Then we also talked a bit about your experience in a male-dominated field and this lasagna <laughs> metaphor <laughs> that we used. So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask if you could go back to the very beginning of your life in Cisco, what advice would you give yourself? I would definitely tell myself to calm the down. <laughs> I think that's a I, good one. Yeah, yeah. If I can only use a few words, that's what I would say. But there's this huge part of like my brain that's still worried about like, oh, should I be doing this? Am I prepared enough? Am I like ready or qualified to do the things that I'm doing? And what I would tell myself is, okay, that voice is going to be there, but. It needs to stand next to this voice who is like, whoo, this is amazing and this is really fun and I want to be doing like the things I'm doing every single day and these opportunities that I get. I want to be doing them every single day. Like, yes, we're going to move to Madrid. <laughs> yes, we're going to do this completely new position, right? A part of my brain was always worried about like, oh, how is this going to work out? And I think that's good. It keeps me like okay and realistic about what I'm doing but if you calm down a little there's also some room to enjoy and to appreciate things more and that's what I would tell I don't know I like 23 year old Stina <laughs> <laughs> letting go of that discomfort and I mean er, yes. at the beginning of the podcast we talked about the different perspectives of success that there's not one sole one so perhaps this also relates to it I mean you navigate through the journey and your opportunities and you find your success along the way being uncomfortable with situations as they come and not having not needing to have everything 100% ready. So I think you're leaving us with a, with a lot to think about and I, I want to thank you so so much for coming here today Estine and for this great conversation. It has been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> See you soon.